0: I'm Dorianne Wheel. Welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. Hello and welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. I'm Dorianne Wheel and this is the show. That helps you live your very, very best life. We don't only talk about survival here or just getting through the night. We talk about thrival, maximum functioning. We talk about challenges that we all have to face all the time. We bring specialists from various fields to tap right into you and your life in such a way that you will say, how do they know this is my story? And that people that you will resonate with and subjects that are important. And unfortunately, I have to start, unfortunately, it's quite crazy to start a show like that. To say that this was such a necessary show because there is so much heartache and there's so much what we call trauma in a broad sense in life, but specifically in South Africa, with a lot of response to crime and uncertainty and economic instability and things that just happen to people in an unexpected way, that I can tell you not that long ago I was driving along in the car and I was listening to the radio and I heard some words and some advice and some ideas that just connected with me. And I thought I need to track down this person. And so, of course, I did because that's what you do when you make up your mind to do something. So I'm really delighted to introduce to you Hayden Nibbs, and he is a clinical psychologist dealing with issues across the board in private practice. He also has some institutional and hospital practice as well. But what I wanted you to come into the studio for today, Hayden, was that you had very a, a way of talking about trauma that helped me listening to you and helped other people frame it in an unusual manner i think that you were talking about it as to some of the dynamics of what happens yeah. why is something called traumatic because it's a term that we kind of bandy around Indeed. you know all the time you know, that was traumatic and it really it is traumatic sometimes when you're going through it but the word trauma yeah. has certain effects really deep effects psychological oh, yes. effects physiological effects, and those two things together result in behavioral changes mm. that can be sustained sometimes over long periods of time, long after yes. the precipitating event and the traumatic event has passed. And so I really wanted to invite you to unpack the whole idea of what a trauma is so that we can understand it in, in the beginning and then most specifically to give us some ideas of how you deal with it, yeah. I mean that's very broad. Yeah. Okay. Oh, One, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. No, but trauma—it yeah. is—it it is a broad term. But what is it really?
1: Indeed, it certainly is a broad term, and I would say, I mean, if if we look as clinicians from different theoretical paradigms, they would define it completely differently. I find the most useful, actionable definition, uh, which I really do observe across contexts. Um, is that it really appears to be experiencing something within your reality that doesn't fit in line with your perception of reality. So there's something that's changed there. Um, If I can put for you, you were now mentioning how we we almost um, out of hand uh, regard things as traumatic. I will say that really the distinction there is if something is quite impactful or quite shocking, but it is still within what we expect from our world there we we have really a different depth of impact than when it is unexpected um it's it's funny to say if i if i just say it like that one let's say living in south africa for argument's sake one may say well i i i do expect people might break into the house but we don't expect it to happen to us it Mm -hmm. it, if we really thought it was going to happen to us Classically we would act mm. or we would feel anxious, mm. we, we would do something. There's a part of us that just just denies it or just doubts that it will happen mm-hmm. to us. You
0: kind of know about the possibility in Indeed. your head. Yes. Yeah, But you don't really think that exactly. that is going to happen to you Not in to your you. own reality. That's it. Yeah.
1: So when it does, it actually is that the environment is different to your expectation of reality it is that little shift i say little deceptively little it can be profoundly huge but it is that shift that creates it yeah
0: you can call it a trauma indeed yeah so do you think that because just to stick on what you said that if we we talk about crime or people breaking in or whatever because it happens more and, and the expectation, even if it's an intellectual expectation, is that it's not going to happen to you. Do you think that in our country we kind of minimize the fact that it is a trauma just because it happens more than, than in usual societies? Are we dismissive? Absolutely. We we kind of say, oh, yeah, but, you know, that's another one. Can Mm. you believe what happened to so-and-so? Yes. You know, yet another one. It's not, um, it's traumatic to them, obviously, but it's not headline news. Yes. Because of the regularity of it.
1: Certainly the regularity will play a role in that kind of mechanism that you are referring to, and I've observed that quite consistently. I'm trying to, in my head, compare it to other countries. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't worked in other countries in this capacity. But let me rather say... Perception. Yeah. What I find, regardless of the content, the reason why, in South Africa, very easy to say, well, there's bigger crimes or, okay, but something else. But I find very often when somebody reports something traumatic, the response, instead of an empathic response, very often somebody... I believe the intention is an attempt to frame it positively, but it is often framed as what is good about it or that it wasn't that bad. There's something worse. At least you survived.
0: So let me say, shouldn't you do that? I mean, really, the person is kind of traumatized. You want to get them out of it as quickly as possible. Mm. Can you not start by saying, well, look, you know, at least you're okay. You know, at least no one was hurt. Yeah. You know, all of your stuff was taken, but really what stuff? Yeah. It's not that important. I mean, you've still got your life and your health for that matter.
1: Obviously, I, I have a lot of understanding for the temptation for that kind of a response. But if we place ourselves in the shoes of the individual who is suffering this traumatic experience, the impact of that kind of a response, it runs the risk of being a bit uh, dismissive, that it sweeps off the table the depth and the complexities of what the person has experienced. It, it almost closes the door the process message a bit is well you cannot complain about it because it could have been worse And that really, really creates a bit of distance and and blocks the ability to process. I can't
0: even sit with this, sorry, because as you would know, and I hope you would know, those of you who listen to me, that that is so uncharacteristic (laughs) of of what I really would do. I just want to say it because, in fact, that is what people do. And I mean, they do do it with really, really good intention. And I I just think that we should talk a little bit about the, the real, real reasons of why that is possibly one of the worst things that you can do. Yeah. So you, the, the, what you've said is use the word empathy, mm. and I would caution you all: is if you start anything by saying "at least," then stop. It's a really good indicator. "At least" those, you know that you're doing the, the, the not. What you want to do is you want to be able to engage with the person from the point of view that they believe that you've understood them and that they're not crazy for feeling all of these very, very confusing traumatic out of control kind of feelings you want to be able to say to give them the message that it's almost like an appropriate reaction to a very traumatic situation is that not right beautifully
1: put yes Uh, and i love the way that you you are actioning the unconditional positive regard as well uh, which is another beautifully uh, perfect, perfect element as well. A- as you say, the empathy and and not that they're feeling crazy. It, it's that if I if I extrapolate that a bit further, it's the the lack of judgment when one subjectively feels judged. There's something wrong with us for feeling a certain way, thinking a certain way. Any process message that has that kind of an impact, it creates a bit of hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we're talking about somebody traumatized, we are talking about one of the most vulnerable, uh, exposed states. Imagine that you have an an open wound, and at that moment in time, somebody pricks it with a pin. It's mm-hmm. that level of openness. So mm-hmm. really, really, at that stage, sure, I, I almost I don't want to don't want to compare it, because ideally, always, but but really, really important to be really delicate when it comes to that judgment, as you beautifully put it, to, to not make somebody feel crazy or as so though there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. They should or shouldn't feel a certain mm-hmm. way. It is rather simply just. That empathy that uh, again that you were referring to, to really put yourself in their shoes, whatever their perception of it is, whatever their so view is.
0: When you give them permission to feel what they feel, you know, in response to it, and I like the way that you framed it in the beginning by saying that unless it's perhaps something in your head, Almost always, it's, the trauma is something that isn't in your reality, yeah. that is unexpected and that you didn't expect. So now this has happened to you in one form or another. Yeah. you know. Um, so the first thing you've said is really don't minimize it or diss it yeah. for the person. Just give them the space and the understanding and the acceptance mm. of the feelings that they're going through. What is the real usefulness of it? Because we hear, you know, different promote. that's the, the I would say, the real researched way of helping people come to terms with it without pushing it under the carpet. How does that work? By giving them the space, what does that do?
1: Essentially, what we find if if we look at the, the treatments that are really out there, if I think about it, the golden thread that I observe is an attempt to get the person to, Re-experience the trauma in a sense to to revivify the process, but in a way that is not hurtful or judgmental. Can bring up the the emotions. So a lot of the the. the Trauma therapies will be some form of re-experiencing it a number of times. Some will be just uh, talking about How would about you do it. that?
0: Would you say just, let's go back. You create a kind of safe environment yes. with them, you with them. Yes. They feel contained a little bit yes. by you. They feel understood. And then would you say, tell me what happened. How would you get them to, if you think that it's a good idea for them to go through it again? What? How do you get them to do that?
1: Personally, for me, I attempt to... Observe rather than adopt a a strict pattern. So I will rather observe the emotional state of the individual and really start there on an emotional level. Classically, that type of reflection uh, almost moves into the process of sharing it. If not, I may direct gently. If an individual is really distancing from sharing it, feeling uh, very reserved I won't push. I will rather look there first. Uh, and if we pull it a bit to the listeners, I'm not really, for those that, that are not uh, clinicians that are perhaps listening, it is so important and perhaps a piece of advice that I will give is, is really to allow the person to speak a bit through it. Try again not to judge. That judgment adds an extra layer potentially mm. of, of damage mm. because they, when we have gone through something that is experienced as subjectively traumatic that really isn't in line with our reality, There's always questions of, did I handle it correctly? Did I play a role? All of this. So there's such a sensitivity to judgment. There's almost a need of reassurance in there. So if we add in that judgment, a lot of damage, creating the safe space not only avoids damage, but it also allows the individual to start to make sense of what occurred. So
0: if we could talk kind of as if we're talking to the person who's here or talking to them. That has been traumatized. That has been traumatized. Or let's just say it's not us, but a family member. Mm. You know, come home, an experience has just happened to them. They're really feeling traumatized. We are saying, give them the space, don't, you know, no judgment or whatever. Can you say like a couple of sentences as if you were a partner or a family member, what you would do with that person in front of you?
1: I would, okay, if we paint a bit more of 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 a context for the example. Let us say there is somebody that has been hijacked. Yeah. And I'm their friend, so I'm not their therapist. Right. And they are there with me. Right. I'll say, okay, how have you been? No, I was hijacked last week. I will there probably myself either observe or imagine what that must have felt like. I probably won't start deep, so I would probably say something like, sure. Mm. Wow, you, you, you must have thrown you. What happened? Then... I will say what happened because they already put it on the table. So there I would certainly explore a bit. They will probably say, no, I was driving. I, I stopped at the robot and, and some this person just put a gun at me. Mm-hmm. Probably there will be a swear word or two. Mm-hmm. And then I will say, you must have got the fright of your life. Mm-hmm. There it's mm-hmm. a bit deeper. What I'm attempting there to do is look a bit on an emotional level and imagine myself in their shoes. I mm-hmm. will try to listen a bit to their tone of voice if they if they say it in such a way that they seem angry. You know, I was at the robot and somebody just came next to me and mm. put a gun to my head. Mm. I will probably say, you sound pissed off.
0: Mm. So what you're doing, because, you know, this is really useful mm. because I think that people confront, you know, they have this with so many things. We're talking about this kind of traumatic hijack, but it could be uh, having to deal with a rejection or yeah. having to deal with, I mean, what you're doing is you're being with the person yes. and you're saying a lot of things like you're imagining how it would be for you and then you're putting it out there. That mm. must have been or I can see you were. Yeah. And in doing that, there's no judgment.
1: That's exactly it.
0: That you. what you're doing is you're saying, um, I understand and I'm giving you permission to go even further. Yes. There is nothing blocking in what you're doing so it's not like you know you'll feel better in the morning or this happens often or every cloud has a silver lining or this is a great learning experience you know thank you Lord for this magnificent learning experience that you're sending me so you really are with the person and encouraging them to talk and implicitly saying to them you're entitled to feel whatever you
1: feel on another level and and beautifully put if if we take that into the frame that we were describing of the reality or your understanding of reality and the environment that you're faced with. When you communicate like that, giving that empathy, essentially you're also validating the reality Mm -hmm. because there's been a a distinct shift in what has been experienced to expectations. And you're actually saying, oh, you seem angry, I would also be scared these kinds of communication actually start to validate that reality to Mm. pull the two together
0: absolutely so you're saying you might never have had to think about this or confront it before but the boundary around what your reality was has just expanded exactly and in fact there's something else that's in it as well and you don't have to be bowled over we can embrace
1: it indeed
0: in a way okay so so that's like the immediate thing then comes the question a lot of times. I mean, how many times have we all heard it? And the, what people want to do is say, go for counseling. You mm. have to go for counseling. Sometimes, I think very most often that's meant in a very caring, positive mm. manner. And they believe that that, you, that is the right way. And I'm not saying it isn't the right way. I'm saying yeah. it is. But sometimes it's saying, look, I don't know how to deal with that. That is exactly Kind right. of get out of my space. Go off to someone yes. who's a professional and let them sort you out.
1: Yes. And, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's the same as the impact runs the risk. The message runs the risk of being the same as what we were talking about earlier. Oh, but at least it wasn't that bad because the impact is, is exactly as you say, I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So basically it, it is, let's not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Rather go for counseling, mm-hmm. like speak to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very delicate mm-hmm. here, because as, as you've just said as well, I agree, probably they will benefit mm-hmm. from going for counseling. And you want to be able to give that advice, but not have the impact. Mm-hmm. I will rather say there it comes down to the how. Mm-hmm. Really, really being conscious of the potential context and the potential detail of the communication mm-hmm. if somebody is is sharing as oh this horrible thing happened you should go for counseling mm-hmm. that's really a dismissive mm-hmm. kind of an impact but let's say you you really have spoken through it you're you hearing what happened and then you share something along the lines of mm-hmm. sure that i actually i can hear how scary that was mm-hmm. you must have been so terrified mm-hmm. obviously as your friend i can't imagine what that's like mm-hmm. but I think it probably is worth your while to go for counselling mm. as well. I mean, let's, well. let's keep talking but let as well.
0: So it's not saying, you know, um, you, please please keep all of this stuff for someone else and let's go to the movies. Indeed. Now, it's saying, I'm here for you. I will listen. If you want to talk, I will listen. Yes. If you want to listen, you know, I'll support you. That's it. Maybe there's something else that could help you might even want to say, do you think it might help?
1: Yes, you know, beautiful.
0: You, yeah, do you think it might help yeah. to have that extra kind of thing? What is your view, Hayden, your personal view about the idea that everybody who's had a traumatic incident really needs to go
1: for counselling? My personal view is that's a very safe shotgun approach because you will really cover it all. But I, I try to observe rather than assume. What I have found is we function, all human beings function on numerous different levels, and there are certain elements that can impact. Essentially, with trauma, the world is now not in line with our reality. Classically, what the therapies do is get us to re-experience it and on make it fit our reality. Sometimes that doesn't quite happen, and in some therapy, we may observe the reality shift and direct it there ourselves.
0: So if we try and keep it sort of so that people who need it or who've experienced it understand what we say. Okay let me, uh, fair enough. Okay, okay let me rather
1: say this. Many people have a traumatic event they speak a lot with their friends they talk about it, they talk about it, they talk about it and without their conscious awareness something seems to shift Yeah, and it settles. Probably yeah. they don't strictly speaking need a bit of assistance um, but this is not a, not a judgment i i would not say it is a quality of an individual there is numerous things at play the people around them their world at hand uh, where they find themselves at that point in life all sorts of things Absolutely. will play a role
0: how you know besides the permission to talk and yeah. talk talk about it how they've dealt with incidents that ever might have happened before exactly either to them or someone else yeah what kind of support system, as we're talking about, do they have? Yes. So you're saying that it is often useful, maybe most especially for people who are just traumatized to the point where they can't talk about it or they find it very, very difficult. But there are other really, I think, telling signs, um, which I'd like to hear you say more about, of when it becomes really necessary to go. Perhaps it's not every single time because you seem to be coping. And you seem to be talking about it and something has shifted. And I think that in the talk about it, let's just not you lose the point of why do you need to talk and relive it? Because you come to see certain strengths that you had which you never which mm. you didn't recognize before. So in going through it you can also say, Okay, you know what I said to him and that seemed to work. Yeah. And you know how I got out of it? Indeed. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got out of it. Shoot, I can give myself a bit of a pat on the back of that. Indeed. In fact, I'm recognizing that I'm fairly resilient and I've got some coping mechanisms that I never gave myself credit for. Mm. So that kind of positive stuff also becomes part of the reality then.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Very empowering as well because part of what, what, what I find as well, what we find it with trauma, for those that have experienced will know, there's that sense of security that has gone even if mm. you've worked through it, it's it's a bit the question is, well, how do I know it's not going to happen again? Okay, the hijacking happened. Okay, I'm not, I'm okay with it now. But now what happens if I drive and get hijacked again? And it's that element that we get a bit more, con- we ideally. we have had it once. Yeah, because yeah. now it's part of your reality. Yeah. Whatever you've integrated it, it but now happen. it can happen. Mm. So there's a part after the fact that one must do do something, something that gives us control again. This can be the smallest thing in the world. It can be that you, I don't know, whatever the. Let's let's say you drive a little bit slower to the we robots. You have a number
0: on your phone which you never had before. You have a
1: number on your phone that which you never press had. A number. There you go. Yeah. That's one person's uh, gaining control. Some other might be very very extreme. Might they might carry a fire. indeed. They might carry a fire on. Oh. It, that, for me, I will say is very subjective. Yeah. But the goal is that you have control again. You have power.
0: So in people where they've had traumatic event, perhaps of any level, but let's say quite a so- severe traumatic event, maybe a family member didn't survive the incident and you did or whatever. And um, I want you to paint that picture of, what can happen afterwards? I mean, we, sure. we might as well label it some. We often call it post traumatic stress disorder P- PTSD, PTSD post traumatic mm. stress disorder. And that's when it just, the, the trauma and the stress can be re emerged, triggered quickly, and doesn't go away for a long time. What are some of the symptoms, and what does
1: that yeah, classically with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, that that'll be where from a psychiatric perspective the symptoms have reached the point that it is a diagnosable disorder. Nowadays we're on the for those in the business, we're on the DSM five at this mm. stage, so it's quite far along. Um and here essentially we get we get a, a few clusters of symptoms. The one revolves around re-experience. So it's symptoms like flashbacks, nightmares. These are things that intrinsically come into our mind uh, at a stage and we re-experience parts of the trauma. Uh, obviously, it's unwanted. Uh, we, you drive in your car, dwang, you think of the, the hijacking. It jumps into your head. Uh, we have another sort of cluster of symptoms that's…
0: And, and let me ask you just to stop there for a minute. Yeah. Do you know when it jumps into your head? Yeah, you'll That it, it isn't, yes. But I'm saying, do you know, that you, you kind of, um, I'm asking, do you know intellectually… But listen, I've got this diagnosis. This is what it's called. And things jump into my head and they're not real. Or do you feel, no, 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 this is happening to me again? Oh. Can you distance yourself?
1: You, you will. With yeah. the awareness. Sort I hear of. You. Yes. You will not believe that, uh, not like a hallucination where you truly believe the hijack is occurring. You might for a split second. Mm. It is more the thought is there, the emotions are there, I feel scared again. But you will intellectually know, I don't want to feel scared, but there you are terrified.
0: Right. So you can know yes. as much as you want often, but it still doesn't help with yes. re-experiencing the feeling.
1: Yes, it is exactly as you're inferring because it doesn't lie on an intellectual level. Yeah, It's not a matter of intellect. It is on an emotional level. Ironically, it occurs because we try so hard to avoid it. Because it is something that is so of such deep discomfort that we try not to think about it. We try to not go there. But it is actually what traps us in it. A part of our mind feels so discomforted from it that we don't want to think about it, do anything to do with it. The other part is basically screaming at us saying, it doesn't make sense in our world. And if we can't live in our world, we're at risk. So the more we avoid it, the more the other part of our mind says, "Ah, uh-uh, have a look at it, deal with it. Mm. So it throws it right back at us. That's
0: so quite hard to kind of uh, come to terms with both sides. How yes. would that affect the treat? if you were treating that, knowing that there were these both sides and that it could be triggered by any kind of kind of stimulus. Yeah which might even be an unconscious thing, a smell, a sound, a something, and it just brings it all back again. And, of course, the person just doesn't want to. I've seen people who, because of that fear of that happening, became more and more and more isolated. Indeed. Because it could happen anywhere Ah. to the point that it affects your life tremendously. Yes. So can you talk to us about um, does it have a, a shelf life, Does it go on forever? What are the kind of interventions or treatments that
1: we do? This is the, yeah. Here's where it gets almost a bit trapping. Probably some people listening will not want to hear this. I like to use the metaphor. It's a bit like an infected wound. It is to clean it out. It can be painful cleaning it out, but then it can heal. In that sense, the part of our mind doesn't want to face it. uh, But when we process it therapeutically, we do go there a little bit. If we continue to avoid it, it is just that wound. It does not heal. heal. And if we start to structure our lives in a way that perpetuates the avoidance, we run the risk of doing more damage. Uh, We can create other patterns that that create even more symptomology and damage. Mm. Uh, That patient of yours that you mentioned, I cannot even imagine how anxious she must feel, he or she, Mm -hmm. from all of that isolation. So... The more our functioning revolves around the trauma, perpetuating that avoidance, the more it will sit with us. Mm. Uh, it is not something that fades over time. Mm. So um, you're
0: almost honouring it and keeping it alive. Indeed. By doing that. Indeed. Yeah. So you are saying, yeah, oh, I heard you say, if we don't clean out the wound, yeah. therapeutically. What is the process? Is it talking? Is it going back? Is it allowing the mourning if there's been a loss?
1: Yeah, is the, it? yeah, it very much depends on the situation. If there's been a loss, there's going to be mourning. There's going to be all sorts of different things. But let's say classically speaking with a trauma, okay, different different psychological theories and paradigms will argue different angles to come in. I will say the golden thread is some form of of. Re experiencing it, typically talking. And in the talking, we have where it is made sense of to some Mm. degree. That making sense of, I will say, is when the reality meets our reality again. We shift a perception oh, hijackings do happen, but I was driving at this part of town. No, you know what I did? Whatever it is, Mm. or you know what they did, it doesn't really matter. But the sense, because I, I found classically that reality that doesn't fit, sometimes it ripples further. It'll be something like, I am always kind to people, and yet this happened to me, hmm. where it may not even be logically connected. Uh, so it's
0: an irrational, like a, you know, a sort of like, why do bad things happen to good people? It
1: can be. Hmm. Um, I, it's I've, not fair. Yes. That can hmm. perhaps be a consequence of having that reality not fit. Uh, so in that re-experiencing, it's almost, oh, wait a minute often happens alone without the therapist or without
0: Anybody. anyone even
1: verbalizing it. Mm. But often that will shift, and the person will a bit subjectively think, yeah, you know, actually good things do happen to me anyway. Mm. This was just one bad one. thing, just that shift. Was, it'll be enough. It's so
0: important what you're saying because I think what you're saying is people who cope with it and deal with it and who kind of have it as a memory mm. and who are not still being owned and controlled, Yes. not being owned and controlled by it, have got something that you've just reminded me of, and that's perspective. Yes. When you're in it, you it's called binocular vision, where you look through the one side of, of the binoculars and you magnify everything oh. that is negative and you minimize everything that mm. is positive. And when you can see it so much more clearly with perspective, mm. you start getting better.
1: Beautifully so? put. Yeah. Beautifully put. And I will say, you were saying... How do we deal with it therapeutically? Many people will do different things. If it's person-centered, it's talking about it, giving that empathy we were talking about. Other paradigms will have a bit of a patter that runs through it continuous times. One may use hypnosis where an individual runs through it on their own. But the same back end is occurring where we are, we are re-vivifying the experience until there's that click, that click. perspective. And seeing it differently. That. Once sure. that occurs… Sometimes it's on many levels that it needs to occur. Uh, some therapists will keenly observe and facilitate the shift themselves. This all depends. But that is the, the, the mm. golden thread that is occurring in a traumatic. And
0: I think what you're saying is, is quite optimistic in that it certainly can and does occur. You can get better from it. Yes. Because we hear stories of like isolation and war veterans and so on whose lives have been, but it doesn't have to be like that. Indeed. And in fact, if I take it one step further, I mean, because I think it's a nice way to have a different perspective of it. You know, we all know about post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of us have heard about it. Mm. That's what we've been unpacking. But I tell you what I've been excited about Lately, Mm. I've been quite excited about post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic
1: stress. Beautiful.
0: And what I'm finding with that is down the line Mm. and Mm. after the therapy, I have found sitting down with people, not only professionally, but personally and in other ways they will often refer to that thing that happened that taught them something, Ah. that they've got a different perspective, that their lives have changed, that they've learned certain lessons. And what was so interesting to me is that irrespective of the precipitating factor, a lot of the lessons that they said they had learned that had impacted their lives positively were the same. So things, for instance, like the power of support – now they say when I went through this, you know, it's, I cannot tell you about how I valued that healing power of the support Beautiful. and the people who showed up in the way that we've been talking about. Beautiful. And what that has done for me is made me understand how important that is. Beautiful. And I can offer it to people now as a friend. That just but one priority shift. For instance. Yes. So it's nice to take it along. I mean, we've got to talk about it. Maybe we'll talk about that, you know, and have you back. Indeed. And talk about all the lessons because, you know, we don't want to cut the process short. Mm. If you cut it short, you'll prolong it. Indeed. So you have to go through it. Yes. But at the end of the tunnel, there's a way of how not to let suffering go to waste. Beautiful. By connecting. Very so empowering. What it is. Yes. Fact, isn't it? Yes. It isn't. So will you come back and can yes. we talk about that again? <laughs> of course. Okay, I think that it's been really important. Thank you very much. I think we've um, unpacked a process. People have understood more what trauma is in terms of an unexpected event that challenges your perception of reality and can live with you for a while. The importance of how to be with someone through it, how to say, I'm here and I'll partner you, never mind being a therapist, the value of counseling sometimes. The fact that it takes its own process, there isn't necessarily going to be a shortcut, but that you can emerge at the end. So thanks for highlighting us. Mm.
1: Thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity.
0: Thank you very much. I'm Dorianne Wheel. Thanks for listening to Thrive with Dr. D, a jackpot podcast.